this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello. I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. Welcome to a very special remote edition of the Sour Hour. Uh, We are not here in downtown Concord, but we are in lovely Windsor, California. Uh, it's a beautiful day, although it's a little muggy where we are, but there's a good reason for that. <laughs> uh, I am here with uh, Justin, who's running the board. Hey, Justin. Hi, it's good to see you. Moscow's in the house, too. Hey, Moscow. What's up, guys? Devo over in the corner. How do we look? No, I should oh. turn her on, too. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I've never been able to do that. And, uh, <laughs> our, our special, uh, guest slash host today, uh, is Vinny Chalertso from Russian River Brewing Company. Never heard of him. <laughs> and we are at his brand new brewery in Windsor, uh, in the cool ship room right now mm. with a, uh, a batch of wort cooling just off to our right, which is extremely special. That uh, is 30 barrels of wort in there right now. That, so. is, that is so awesome. It doesn't There's, look like it. It looks like so much less. I know. I know it does. Yeah. Deceiving. That's a 13-foot square, uh, 15 inches deep, and that's maybe about 10 inches of liquid in there. Yeah, wow. That's it. Unbelievable. Yeah. So not enough, to, not enough to dive into, is what you're saying. No, and <laughs> the safety crew wouldn't like that either. No, no. There's no lifeguard on duty. <laughs> There's no cameras in here, right? No. Except for the ones that we this, brought. This is, yeah. <laughs> Your cameras are the only cameras. Well, awesome. Well, thanks so much for uh, hosting us and having us. This is great. Oh, yeah. Here the... Uh, the, I'll call them the Brewing Network crew. Got a tour earlier today. Um, how did that all go? The tour was fantastic. Yeah. Um, we had not just the Brewing Network, but the uh, Hop Grenade also. Oh, you can say um, that, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun. It was a good uh, good crew, and um, even took them through sensory. Oh, yeah. Nice. Got, got to taste a little bit um, sensory blind. Um, just showed them the whole brewery from brew house to open top fermenters, closed top fermenters, packaging. Um, we had bottled blind pig earlier today, so mm. that's what we were pouring on the uh, tour along the way. Everyone was like, freaking out over the, the bottled yeah. on date today. <laughs> four-hour-old yeah. blind pig. That's amazing. And then finish him up in the barrel room and then ultimately the cool ship. 
we filled this earlier today about 11 so hence the mugginess in here I but i think it's worth it yeah oh yeah absolutely this beautiful room so, uh i hear it was a lot steamier earlier so oh, yeah. we're kind of coming into the prime yeah maybe uh you could give us a little bit for our, our listeners or those who are not following us on the uh, on the live stream, maybe a little visual tour of, of the room we're sitting in right now. Yeah, so <clears throat> the wood is uh, becomes a really important part of a um, of a cool ship room. Um, the windows can become a part of it if you you know have the ability to des- to design the room properly. So, for instance, if you are in here and you can see the top of the tank of the the cool ship it's about the same height as the bottom of the windows and so mm-hmm. that was done on purpose so that as the air comes in it's almost a convection effect yeah where the air comes in over the top of the wart and then carries out um that's not absolutely needed but the fact that we designed this from scratch we were able to do that we actually went back to a jean de clerc brewing book to find some of that information Excellent. which i thought was pretty cool <laughs> so for those of you that listening don't know jean de clerc is a probably the most important brewing scientist and he's a he's a flemish belgian gentleman i don't know when he passed away it was in the you know 1900s at some point. I'm not sure exactly, but um, anyways, so he he has some of the greatest writings about brewing knowledge and um, did did so and wrote about cool ships. And it was amazing that you can go back to a book that was written, you know, literally decades ago and still have relevant information. The wood is is North Carolina pine, and um, so you want a soft, porous wood so that as the room uh, steams up and the wild yeast and bacteria are coming in through the windows, that it actually will get inoculated and impregnated into the wood. And that becomes a really important component of of a cool ship room because that helps over time inoculate the beer. Because when it's really steamy in here initially, it's steaming up and then it's dripping back down. And so what's in the wood can help contribute to the uh, microflora microflora in the wart over time. And uh, so we'll come back in tomorrow morning and... The wart went in today at 11. It was probably 190, 200 degrees, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit less than that. And then is that from sit- an intentional an intentional step down, or is that just it, through going just, through the process? Yeah, it's I, just going through the process and the fact that the brew house is 300 feet away, sure, that it yeah. just cools down by the time. At some point, we're going to make a direct line all the way from the brew house down here and insulate it yeah. as, as well. But um, for now, it works fine. Yeah. And, um, and then tomorrow morning, we'll come in. This room will be, you know, that's steamy and sticky and hot right now. It'll be downright cold in the morning. The wart will be about 64, 66 oh, degrees. Perfect. Wow. And it's not going to get freezing tonight. So this is one of the first times we've done this. We've done it once before when it wasn't freezing at night. And the idea that we want to try is that, you know, in traditional lambic production in Belgium, it's always on a night when it's really cold. Mm-hmm. And I remember Jean at Cantillon once making a famous statement that, we are spontaneous brewers. That also means we are weathermen yeah. <laughs> and, uh, or something like that. And because they're, they're always watching the weather. Like that's, you know, if it's going to be a, a warmer night, they won't brew. And, you know, whether you believe in global warming or not, there are less cold days in the winter right now in Belgium. And so, and Cantillon has expanded. Yeah. So, so Jean talks about um, how they have less um, opportunities to brew. And um, 
and so they need to do more brew more often mm-hmm. um, but but we've found that it's okay to do spontaneous beer when it's not as cold out and we've already done a couple batches so far it's too early to tell what the final product's going to taste like but knowing what the beer you know as it's an early fermentation tastes like now compared to what we know from spontaneous batches we've done at the pub it's it, it's tasting really good so That's great. we might try a summer spontaneous beer hey why not um, I, what i really want to do is try a fall spontaneous beer when all of our neighboring wineries are in fermentation yeah and they've got their whole thing going so that'll be cool. That's awesome. Yeah. This room is about the size of a extra large three car garage, and every service is wood. You were telling us off the air where the wood came from. Yeah, the wood uh, the wood came from Sierra Nevada Mills River, and that's why I say it's North Carolina pine. And um, it feels like North Carolina in here right now. It, it certainly <laughs> does. I think I just killed a mosquito. Yeah. So the um, at the beginning of the uh, process, we wanted to um, just build our bars out of. I've, I, I should preface it with every brewery we've had, where we you know had along the way, we've had something from Sierra Nevada in the you know whether it's it's typically like a a flow meter or a pump or whatever. Piece I saw of some of the employees downstairs, but that's, <laughs> yeah. they're not a, yeah. they were not a permanent feature, right? <laughs> yeah, there were six employees from Sierra Nevada here earlier. <laughs> it's always something. Um, and uh, anyways, I wanted something from Sierra Nevada to not only to you know, tip our hats to the Grossmans for all they've done for the industry, but also, you know, they're close friends of ours, Natalie and mine. And um, it started out to be just the tasting bars. And one of our trips to Mills River, to the North Carolina brewery, um, I saw this barn full of leftover lumber because they had to clear a bunch of trees. They milled it. And most of the wood in their pub in North Carolina is actually from their property. So they had leftover my first idea was, oh, it would be cool to tip our hats with building the bars out of Sierra Nevada, yeah. you know, North Carolina wood. And, and then I saw how much when they sent us the list, and I asked Ken if I could buy a little bit more. <laughs> and, oh, awesome. uh, and we ended up, he ended up giving us all of this, which was really sweet of, of them. And, uh, and so we built this whole room out of wood from Sierra Nevada's Mills River property. The bar is behind me. The, um, there is a bar inside of the Cool Ship Room, yes. which is just about the coolest thing <laughs> in the world. There are ma- there are many strategically placed bars along the tour route. Yeah, yeah. This, this is the end cap. And then uh, the bar in the brew house where the guided tour starts um, is, uh, is is oak from their property. And then the host host hostess stand when you walk into the restaurant here is also from Sierra Nevada. Excellent. So. So, I just want to bring this up quickly. Uh, Scott and I, uh, after we opened our first hop grenade, we're looking around California for a second hop grenade. And uh, we did look around uh, around Santa Rosa, right near the Russian River Pub, you know, the first location. And one of our philosophies for that uh, location was if we could just get Russian River scraps, we would <laughs> we could build a yeah, bar. Yeah, the people waiting we, for lunch is 40 minutes away. Right. Like, we would be okay. Yeah. And in hearing you talk about this, you've sort of done the same from Ken scraps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've yep. built your cool ship out of Ken scraps. Pretty much. And and yeah. proud of it, as we would yeah. have been. Uh, so. I'm so proud of it. <laughs> yes. We do we do uh, six tours a day if if people sign up. It's, you know, for the guided tour, self-guided tour, people can do anytime they want. And, um... And so it becomes a part of the tour. So, like, it's weird that you go to a brewery and then 
like we talk about Sierra Nevada Another, yeah. on every tour. It's great though, <laughs> but it's but it it kind of it really shows the camaraderie of the industry, how collegial it is, but also our friendship with the Grossmans, and that is just it's a really cool story. And everyone in the beer industry, like there is no one in the craft beer industry that would be where they're at without. Sierra Nevada and Ken Grossman. So why not tip our hats to them? No, it's really so, great. So with, how long do you expect for this? I mean, it's still obviously very fresh smelling yeah. and looking wood. What is the typical timeline for it's going to be impregnated and it's imparting its own whatever? Yeah, I, I, that's a really good question. And I have no idea. I mean, you would traditionally not have your roof be so um, tall. I, it's and, yeah, vaulted yeah, ceilings. vaulted and... But we, but this was as much for us a, a part of the tour, and we wanted it to be really pretty and beautiful, and we wanted the height of this end of the building to match the brew house, so they're both at 50 feet. And so mm-hmm. it meant there was some architectural components that we wanted to definitely include. So, I, yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I will say, though, that a lot of breweries, when they build a cool ship room, They'll come in with bottles of their spontaneous beer, or a lot of breweries use Cantillon or Dreyfontaine or Boone or, you know, Gerardin, whomever from Belgium, and they'll, you know, NASCAR moment. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Whoa. But we, we didn't do that at all. We, it was very natural. The very first batch, though, that we made didn't start fermenting, and we actually had to inoculate oh, man. Um, with, with some Saccharomyces. So that. Uh, Synambic. So we call our, our spontaneous fermented beer Synambic. So that's Sonoma and Lambic contracted together because Lambic's a protected word in Belgium, much like champagne is to sparkling wine. And um, and so we we make Synambic in the first batch. You know, it's like a week goes by in the barrel and it's not fermenting and then another week. And now at this point, there's mold growing on the top of the wart. So I added some Saccharomyces. Wait, but, it was, but only the first batch? Like was, after that, there's enough in here? No, it was because we opened the windows, all of the windows all the way up and it actually cooled down too hmm. fast. I see. So there is a science behind spontaneously fermenting that you actually don't want it to cool down too fast. You want it to be really gradual. And so we've actually found that doing the first brew of the day um, because of the brew house can do eight brews a day but we do four brews a day and four and 16 hours so two shifts and so the first batch we did it the final brew of the day or late in the day so we didn't fill the cool ship till it was dark out and then we came back the next morning and it was already cool mm. and and it didn't ferment but it was because it cooled too fast mm. so now we just crack a couple of the windows and then it cools down really slow. And I think the best way to describe how spontaneous beer gets inoculated is, is like if anyone's been in the restaurant industry and they make you take the food safety test and they say like between, I don't know what the temperatures are, like, you know, 70 degrees and 120 or 30, whatever it is, like that's the red zone. Like you don't want your food at that temperature and you probably don't want your food at that temperature, <laughs> but it's really good for wart. And, uh, and so that, that's the temperature. And so you want to be in this range as slow as, you know, as, for as long a period as possible, all the while you want it to cool down by the next day so that it's, you can go into barrels and then let it carry on. Cause at some point you can start getting off flavors. But, um, so after that second batch on, it's been perfect. 
and it ferments in a week. It starts Amazing. fermenting within a week. So, so uh, Al, our funky brewer, as we call him, <laughs> um, he'll come in in the morning, connect a pump to the cool ship, down into the funky cellar, and then fill 10 wine barrels. And then it'll sit for a week before it starts fermenting. And then it'll stay in the bottle for up to 30, or in the barrel for up to 36 months. Wow. And, uh, a long time. And then, and then we'll blend multiple batches of Synambic to um, make what we call beatification, our 100% spontaneous fermented beer. My favorite. But, but that's, and but like in, in Belgium, a, a goose is very traditional blend of lambic, three year, two year, and one year. And here we use like nine, 10 different batches and blend them disproportionately, almost like a painter. Like if you're a painter and you said, well, I could have 10 colors or I could have three. Mm-hmm. It might be interesting to do something with three, but you have more colors to pick from, so that's how we look at it. So we don't follow the blending like a traditional lambic brewer does. Awesome. So I want to get more into kind of the things that you know you feel like you want to be following. I think it depends on the time of year, also. But we yeah. do have a beer uh, open in front of us. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about this and then get to a quick break. Yeah. So this is a, a brand new beer. Um, we've made it once before, but we've never sold it. We've used it at a couple festivals, a couple beer dinners or whatnot, but we've never poured it at either of our restaurants yet. It's called Intinction. Uh, we have two different versions of this we're going to taste today. We've got oh, Intinction cool. uh, Sauvignon Blanc, which is what we have here. Hmm. And then we'll do Intinction Merlot in a little bit. So this is a... Pilsner aged, uh, base beer is a Pilsner, so it's fermented cold. It's about oh, a third of the BUs as STS Pils, and it's not dry hopped. Um, so it ends up finished, uh, I think, about 12 or 13, but it only goes into the barrels at like 20 or something mm-hmm. like that, so it's not that bitter. Do you, do you use any other cold fermented base for for mixed fermentation? Mm, this is the only one this we've the only done one. so far. Okay. Yeah. And so then uh, the Pilsner ages in Sauvignon Blanc barrels uh, from one of our favorite uh, wineries, uh, Mary Edwards. And then um, we pull it out of the barrels about four or six months later and blend in Sauvignon Blanc juice. About 20 or 30% of the fermentables is the, mm-hmm. is the Sauvignon Blanc juice. Put it back into barrels, let it sit for another five, six months pull it out, bottle, keg it. So right now we're in the middle of bottle conditioning. If you taste it and smell it, there's a little bit of sulfur there. It blows off pretty quick, but that's kind of what we're waiting to age out right yeah. now. But that may just stick around, too, from the grape juice. And uh, I think it was gone before the time I took my yeah, first Yeah, it goes this, and there's, yep. no, there's, no, get it. there's no bacteria in, in this beer. It's just uh, it's three strains of Britannomyces um, that uh, come from a local wine lab, and uh, then we bottle condition it with a wine yeast, and um, and then let it sit. And so we should release it in about a month or so. But it's a really pretty beer. It's light. Oh, yeah. It's it crisp. Um, I'm also yeah. surprised that you say there's no bacteria because I was feeling like it was leaning a little on the lacto side. Doesn't it? Isn't that interesting? Is that the grape? It's the grape juice and just how acidic interesting. the acidity is. I mean, they're, they're, it might have picked up a little bit of bacteria from the barrel room. Okay, this this yeah. was actually barreled mostly at the old production brewery. Um, and then the barrels were moved over here, and then we processed it. Mm-hmm. But uh, but and the grape juice comes from one of the oldest grape, or it's a, the grapes, and then they press the grapes for us into grape juice from one of the oldest grape growing families in Sonoma County, Dutton. Wow. And Dutton has Dutton Vineyards. They have Dutton Winery, and then there's Dutton Goldfield, which is one of the brothers have that. So really, uh, it's a it's our new it's a new project for us. So in Tinction. 
uh, is a religious term to dip your bread to take sacrament. Mm. And so any beer we do moving forward with grapes will be in tinction. So it'll be in tinction Sauvignon Blanc, in tinction Merlot, in tinction whatever. So nice. we've done two, two so far with more to come. I'm happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good news. And, this is a great beer. And, uh, and we didn't want the bacteria to be, we didn't want bacteria in this one to be just so overwhelming. We really wanted the fruit to come forward. But what is going to happen is that the brett is going to reduce some of the fruitiness. Because this that's exactly why California winemakers don't like um, brett in their wine. Is they, are, they want things to be very fruit forward. Whereas Britannomyces will break that fruitiness down, mm. turn it into more like earthy, mushroomy, umami type flavors. So this this should change pretty dramatically over time. Jay, does Rare Barrel use cold fermented beer for their base for, for anything? We haven't done it before, um, but it's it's something that I hear brewers talk about a lot, you know, especially if, with, if you're going to do a project that you're not going to get a lot of the ale fermentation, esters or phenols, at the end of the day, um, you know, if, if there's, this was ale fermented, it would be, it'd have some fruity character, but, you know, a year later, uh, you know, how much is that going to contribute? So starting with that neutral base, I think is something, especially with something like a Pilsner, brewers are very interested in. It's, you know, yeah. always combining a few of our favorite styles. And I think it's, I think it's awesome. It's a great idea. You're hearing more breweries using Pilsner. Um, I'll be honest. I'll be the first to admit, I have no idea if we fermented this Petland Ale, would it be different, you know, if we took some neutral ale yeast? I mean, even California ale yeast isn't that fruity. It's a little fruity, Mm -hmm. but it's not that fruity. Like, we could, I don't know if we could get away with that and have it be the same, but the first first batch we did on this was two or three years ago, and it was kind of a proof of concept batch, and we served it on tap, like I said a few minutes ago, at different events, but... We never sold it, and it went over really well. Nice. And so at that point, it's like, well, we're not going to change it. Cause, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like it takes a year or two to, and if it change, if it's different, you're like, well, crap, now we got to wait another year for the next batch. Oh, yeah, so. especially if you're thinking about cycling through grapes. Kind of the, maybe the last thing you want to do is change the process on the front end when you really want to see, you know, you want to taste a few of these beers side by side like we're lucky to be able to do today and see the differences from you know, the showcase of the grapes. I yeah. Think, so. Yeah. They're, um, you know, we're, we're, the, then the, the quality of the fruit obviously becomes a huge part. And for those that know our beers know that supplication and consecration are actually dried fruit. Mm-hmm. So that allows us to do those year round. So with this, it's all about timing and, and that's with any brewery that use, uses fresh fruit. Excellent. Well, I think we should take a quick break, come back, try some more beers, talk more about, uh, the spontaneous and cool ship program going here. Good. Sound good? All right. We'll be right back on the Sour Hour. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right. We are back on the Sour Hour. HR claims continue to rise at the Brewing Network. <laughs> Always. That's just for me and Justin. Uh, <laughs> 
We are live from the Cool Ship Room at the new Russian River uh, Brewery in Windsor. Vinny is nice enough to host up host us in the Cool Ship Room. We're going to do uh, an episode of Sour Hour here, and then uh, I don't know what's going on after. It's something that, you know. <laughs> the best show on the planet is coming up afterwards. The West Wing? <laughs> How's that going to work? Uh, no, no. La uh, Cervecia, what is the, the new Spanish thing? Entre Cervezas. No, no, we're not doing that one. It's that other one. You know, the one with the, by far, vast most listenership on the, the Oh, Bruce Strong. The, 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 yeah, the, 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 the session. The Jamil show. Vinny, oh, yeah. you guys were a secondary invite. Vinny invited me and the session, <laughs> and I was like, I mean, do you want me to, I feel like I'll feel bad if I don't bring Jay. I think this is revision his history, but <laughs> because we <laughs> talked about the cool ship right. and filling it with wart, and how can you not do them that sour hour? Exactly. See, Boom. Yeah, that, it's great. Boom. He just confirmed secondary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are back. We are tasting some of these uh, great beers. Um, you know, one thing that actually I was I was thinking before the break, and I overheard you talking about during the break was uh, when you do fill the cool ship yeah. um, and kind of maybe one we talked about differences between not only traditional but maybe some differences between the way you used to do things at the pub you would uh kind of homogenize it in a tank after the after the work cooler after the work cooling yeah and now you go straight to barrels take me through that uh thought process yeah so the um the way we do it at the downtown and we still spontaneously ferment down there because i love what we get down there this is a very traditional classic you know belgian you know lambic process lambic style mm-hmm. um but down there at the downtown pub we'll make the same base recipe so it's 30 percent unmalted uh, wheat and 70 percent barley malt uh, all aged hops here we're doing it with whole cone uh, downtown we're doing it with aged pellets mm-hmm. all of our sour beers are using aged pellets except um, the intinction Sauvignon Blanc that we just had that's that's treating it like a clean beer mm-hmm. to start um, but then downtown we'll run the wort through the wort cooler and into what I, I don't we don't call it a cool ship down there we call it a horny tank mm-hmm. so it's a deep uh, three foot maybe two and a half foot deep by like 18, 20 foot long. Um, I've said this before. Quite honestly, it looks like the urinal at the ballpark. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, uh, and then we let it sit overnight. And so there it's just picking up all the bugs and critters that um, are in the air from the barrel room, from all the years of making temptation, supplication, consecration, Whereas here, it's, we're bringing in the cool air from outside. And the fact that this wood was, you know, totally virgin to start, um, it, it really is a cool experiment here on where your bugs come from because it wasn't in the wood. Um, and the barrels are clean that we start with most of the time. Mm-hmm. We, we get barrels from wineries that I think the best spontaneous beer is made in barrels that are new to us from a winery that haven't had any whatever in it, temptation, supplication, consecration, or spontaneous beer in it. I I really think those are the cleanest spontaneous beers we've had over the years. And so far, we're doing that here. We're bringing in all fresh barrels for these first batches of Synambic coming out of Windsor. So then downtown, we'll come in the next day, put the wort into the barrels, and then it ferments in about a week. So it's not going into a fermenter after the horny tank downtown, mm-hmm. but um, it's not going into the horny tank hot 
like it is here. Gotcha. Here, the wart's going in just like it would in Belgium to make a lambic at 180, 190, 200 degrees. And downtown, we're running it through a, a wart cooler. And we we started doing that because the very first time I made spontaneous beer down there, which was in 2006, um, it was just way too acidic and too sour. Some of those early batches of of beatification were like, whoa, that was. <laughs> and it it took us almost what, ten years to figure out how to manipulate that and. We kept bringing the temperature down, and then finally we ended up at like 64 to 68, and and it works. And some some people out there would say, oh well, that's not true spontaneous beer. But I'll I'll never forget what Jean at Cantillon told me, which was you can spontaneously ferment beer anywhere in the world. It just and and you but you may need to do a different process. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas like I remember going to Allagash in in 2007 or 2008 when they started their cool ship. And, you know, they tasting it out of the barrel was like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm in Belgium. And and now that's what our wort that's slowly fermenting at the pub tastes like. But it took us a long time to get there, and it's what it tastes like here. But back then it didn't, and the process is totally different. And and that's the beauty of it all is that you can do it in totally different ways and, and yet still end up with a spontaneous beer. It may not be the same process, but... Sure. You know, isn't that why what's made craft brewing like so, so unique? My palate has changed along with beatification directly. It was, uh, it still is, um, but it, it it was my favorite sour beer the first time I had it, and it was years ago. It was, I think, the first time you even made it, Vinny, and I just fell in love with it because then I really wanted to be punched in the face with sourness. Uh, I just, I, I was new to sour beer. I had had a Cantillon for the first time, and I just, I just loved that aspect of it. And now that it's mellowed, it's still my favorite. Like, I've mellowed out, too. I can't be punched in the face with sour anymore. Now it's, it's got so much more funk mm-hmm. and, and earthiness. And there is still a, an acidity to it. But I'd say it's more tart as opposed to being sour. And that all came with temperature. Um, temperature of the wart. Temperature of aging in the barrels. Um, I, I'd say of everything when you make barrel age funky beer whether it's spontaneous mixed inoculated temperature where you store your barrels is critical hmm. and um that's something that here we've got uh i mean our our barrel room here is connected to the the coolers the chillers the coil fan coils that are in the barrel room here they're actually connected to our glycol system that chill all of our tanks in the whole brewery and that's also connected to our big cold box that we store all the, you know, our mainstream normal beers in, uh, non-funky beers. And um, normal, that makes these all those, sound like all those the red-headed main- stepchild. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> all those mainstream but, beers. Um, yeah, all double the regular people. We yeah. don't have to be politi- politically correct with our beer, even. Yeah. <laughs> Can't call it normal. No, so anyways. But, there is no normal, man. But, but we're able to, to keep this barrel room at a firm 58 degrees. And that that's going to mean that it's going to take us long to age the beers out but i think it makes for a softer barrel aged beer and that's over the years that's what we've been working towards is a softer barrel aged beer and over the years we were able to cool our barrel room down at the old production brewery more Mm. um, and it took longer 
to, to age the beers out. Um, temptation, supplication, consecration, kind of our, our mainstream barrel-aged beers. We've, we've now, we started a couple few years ago drying them out more just through primary fermentation so that there was less sugars left in the beer when we went into barrels. And so there's less sugar for the bacteria to work on. So now there's less acidity and less pronounced acidity there to just make them softer. So, Do you think Justin's palate mirrors the market? Are people looking for subtlety? Uh, the, the gin pop? I think they all... <laughs> I think they... Yeah. I think they are now, but I... I mean, this this may be going out on a limb, but I think kettle sours have really changed the way people drink sour beer. They They can afford to pay less money for I a, see. something. But, you know, kettle sours, we make a kettle sour now, and I really like it, but it doesn't have near the complexity. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, drinking, I mean, it's, it's lemonade and kombucha. Yeah. You know? But it, you're right in the point that it democratizes uh, sour beer because not everybody, you know, sure, you'll go spend 15, 20 bucks on a bottle of wine, but when it comes to beer, we get all weird about that. Yeah. So. Yeah, so... Um, but no, I, I I think consumers have always been looking for a softer acidity. I just think it took the beer industry, the mm. craft beer industry, a long time to figure it out. I mean, I think back to some of our early batches of Temptation's never been super acidic. And, and Supplication, there's been some batches. Consecration, there's definitely been some batches. Mm-hmm. And Beatification by far. Uh, Compunction, our Pluot beer. Oh, that thing was like, I remember uh, Lauren from New Belgium coming by the pub years ago and drinking it. And she says, I think my pH dropped by one or two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that one too. And uh, so, um, yeah, I've come to appreciate the, the subtlety mm. of, of something soft. Well, I, so. I think brewers do. That's why I always yeah. wonder, are, do brewers convince themselves that that's what the market wants because that's what they want? Yeah. Mm, it, this is the this is a chicken or the egg argument. Yeah. I, mean, I think you can go on forever about what happens. I do think um, I don't know. I, I, I think that there just ends up being kind of a consensus about the things that we like as a as a population, and and sour beer is one of those things. So, in the beginning. I would recommend sour beer only to beer nerds. If they had never had sour beer before, I would go, you got to try this. It's so weird. It's going to blow your mind. Uh, I would never give it to a beginner. Nowadays, if somebody tells me they don't like beer, I'm more inclined to grab a sour beer because they're a little more nuanced and a little more subtle. I'm more inclined to go, okay, you might actually like this and you're not going to believe that it's beer. Mm -hmm. And and I'm saying in the early days, I wouldn't have done that. Even the first time I had a, a, a rosé de Gambrinus. Yeah punched me in the face this beer i would never have given that to a non-beer drink a non-beer nerd nowadays i can i think that's where that's where i don't think kettle sours are a bad thing some brewers will disagree with me Mm. but that you know they're good training wheels they wean you and i hope that all of this these you know kettle sours out there will then make people want to drink um you know the classic mm-hmm. barrel age styles that that we started making yeah. you know 20 years ago or whatever and i don't want to like devalue how hard it is to make a kettle sour sure but we freaking nailed it on the first batch oh. nice. it was like <laughs> wow that was easy what's the deal guys <laughs> well, was that so i don't know why i waited 20 I, years to do this yeah I, I was i was a little nervous going into it because i was like geez what if i screw this up and you know like it's like it's easy to make a barrel aged sour beer but i can't even do a kettle sour <laughs> and it totally worked great so i, was, awesome. I was pretty excited because our, our kettle sour is it's got 
roses, violets, black pepper, honey, and elderberry juice mm. in it. So it's got all these layers of flavors wow. in there, and it's low alcohol. And mm. so um, they, they have their time and place. But as, as long as the brewery is charging like regular prices and not trying to make it out to be a you know barrel aged beer because mm-hmm. then the consumer gets duped and that's, so that's the worst thing that can happen is that the consumer you know is like well, you know shoot i just paid you know 15 bucks for a beer that was kind of thin and mm-hmm. you know and light and then that's okay that that's how the beer is but to me the you know there needs to there's there's a there's a value and there's a reason why we have to charge what we charge for a barrel aged beer that's we've been making for a year, two, three years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Just to clarify that, really what you're talking about is the amount of uh, time it takes you, the space it takes you, the real estate. That's an investment on your part that, of course, has to be paid for. Just like just, wine. And so a kettle sour is done just a bit quicker and yeah. doesn't it doesn't take all of that real estate. So in other words, it, it costs you less to make. We, yeah, we okay. make Chiso Italian, our kettle sour, in, I think, 18 days. Mm-hmm. So it's like making, wow, you know, blind pigs, 18 mm-hmm. days, Pliny's 21. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a normal time. So. so if we had, if we were doing a normal show, normal, normal time, and maybe we weren't sitting in the cool ship room, I would ask you a lot more questions about this, but I know I would kind of be remiss. A lot of our listeners are interested in kettle sour beers. What yeah. do you think, what research did you do beforehand that you think led you to nail it on that first go around? You know, one of the, there's a lot of conjecture on whether you need to, you know, like put CO2 into the wort to protect it um, from the wort from going, you know, basically septic to Mm -hmm. where it gets that baby diaper, you know, quality, you know, foots, you know, sweaty foot sock, you know, gym There might be some of it going on in this room right now. uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, So that was, that was definitely something we looked towards and and opted to um, charge the warp with, with CO2, uh, blanket it overnight, cap the kettle stack. One of my favorite um, kettle sours is Athena. Mm-hmm. From, uh, oh, great from, beer. From Creature, Creature Comforts. Comforts, yeah. And I was just so there last week. We did a collaboration with them around New Year's. They 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 helped us with the Sonoma Pride and brewed a version of Sonoma Pride, and then we reciprocated for a fundraiser. And um, they're first off, they're just amazing people, and they do, like, such a great way to run their company. But um, so I definitely paid a lot of attention to how Athena's made and some of my other favorite kettle sours. But um, Except for Blake. Blake's just okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the official opinion of the brewing network. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that was one of the the big things we looked at. Um, I was what I was most unsure about, and the only way to to learn this was to do it was how long to to let it sour in the in the kettle. So we boiled the the wort to kill anything that was in the wort. Ran it through the wort cooler, back to the um, kettle with the bacteria, and then let it sit overnight. And that, to me, is the hardest thing because then we we tried a different bacteria for the second batch, Mm -hmm. the exact same amount of time, and got um, more uh, total acidity, lower pH. And so that was just with a different strain of of bacteria. So so that's going to be the moving target for us is how do we, um, you know, make it more consistent mm-hmm. over time. And, and we, we made the switch only because I wanted to try a different type of, of bacteria. Sure. And, um, and we're doing some other experiments right now in our lab on, on kettle souring that um, maybe we can come back 
in a month or two or three whenever we figure out if these experiments worked and talk about them because some of them are really interesting awesome that are that are like first time being done in america oh that's stuff. cool so what is the goal like i mean obviously you want the best flavor um the best expression of acidity in your beers but you know some some uh brewers will you know take their sweet time to get to the total acidity that they want some people want to get there as fast as possible yeah, my goal was to get there as fast as possible but i'm trying to and if there's a critique on many kettle sours including our own is um is to hopefully minimize that kind of yogurt acidity mm-hmm. that a lot of kettle sours have yeah and so sure. that's that to me is what we need to work towards softening a little bit Awesome. Enough about kettle sours. All right. <laughs> Let's talk it. about intinction. <laughs> Merlot. I, I don't I even need it. to be here. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Stole the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we do have intinction number two, or I don't yep. know how you differentiate Yeah, we call them. it intinction Merlot. Intinction so, Merlot. This is really, really good. Wonderful. Yeah, so you can see the color. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a, um, a half of the beer is actually the Synambic recipe that's in the cool ship right now and then the uh, and done spontaneously fermented spontaneously initially before we added the grapes to it and then uh, the other half was the synambic recipe but fermented um, with saccharomyces with conventional yeast and then there was all aged in merlot barrels and um, then at harvest so it was probably in barrels for six seven months before we took it out of barrels added the merlot uh, grapes to it so one of the great things about our new brewery is we have a custom crush winery behind us <laughs> so i can get grapes delivered there and forklift down they'll crush and uh, press or destem whatever i want uh, all for a couple cases of beer not and, too uh, bad so huge work for beer <laughs> huge huge shout out to grand crew it's also really cool because there's five tasting rooms there wow and so it's a custom crush facility and then they have an alternating proprietorship so for those that are listening or watching that's when a winery or brewery has a bunch of different breweries or wineries making wine and beer and they and like one day it may be winery a and the next day is winery b and and they and so they have their tasting room set up that way wow. and they all have roll-up garage doors that go that look out basically to us wow. well now there's another building there but um anyways uh so they they do all the crushing for us and um so i had the grapes delivered they destemmed them and we didn't crush them so we left them whole uh berry so in winemaking that would be um called carbonic maceration and um i know what you're thinking <laughs> <laughs> i was like you, were you watching <laughs> carry on yeah anyways another hr did you, violation did you yeah. did you see that i paused before i said that because i have a i have a friend in san diego and he thinks the other way and right. you, know, yeah. like you know me master what <laughs> you know me well and he, you know me well. <laughs> um so anyway so it's whole uh grapes going in at about two to three uh pounds per gallon uh, of beer and then it sits for about four months so there's another fermentation that happens and then we empty the barrels and then bottle condition it and so this is still sitting aging in bottles too this was just bottled uh, maybe a month ago yeah april 26th oh wow so not even so it's got a little bit of time to sit it's not fully carbonated yet but what I love about it is that you get that tannin, hmm. like on the finish from the grapes. Oh yeah, and aside from the color, is uh, that the, what's the difference between uh, macerating grapes and not uh, in terms of what you're looking for in in winemaking? And my goal here by leaving them whole, um, 
you know, whole berry. Um, when you do it in wine, they actually leave them on the stems. So mm. you literally add the whole grape cluster to the fermenter and then add the yeast. And then eventually the the yeast penetrates the berries. And you literally have thousands of fermentations going on in the tank. And then eventually each berry will explode wow. from the CO2. Um, so I was hoping to kind of get that intense fruitiness. And that's what carbonic maceration gives you. And then wine, they're called Beaujolais Nouveaux. You typically make them with Beaujolais grapes. And then they're always released on the third Thursday of November in France. And you like they're really quick. You drink them right away. And so by incorporating carbonic maceration into brewing, the, in, the intent was to get some really nice fruitiness, mm-hmm. but then also eventually the, after the grapes break open, you get some of the tannins. Okay. But we didn't want it to be like, I didn't want it to be so much tannins to where it was like drinking a, you know, a young petite Syrah wine sure. or something to where it's really dry. And, you know, and, and tannins are something that aren't often talked about in wine or in beer, but they're actually big right now in brewing, especially the hazy IPAs because the polyphenols, that those are tannins. Okay. And so there's a higher polyphenol level in IPAs and there's an even higher level in the hazy IPAs just because of the sheer, the sheer amount of hops they are going into a hazy, juicy IPA. Hmm. Can I just say, though, that even though that's the explanation of the difference between macerating and not... From an anthropological perspective, it was really invented by a lazy Frenchman who was like, what if we just throw the grapes with the stems and everything into the barrel? You can't tell me that's not how it was how invented. How bad could it be? Yeah, it's, it's fine. I'm late. I'm late. <laughs> the, the yeast is already making the wine. Yeah. Let's have it crush the grapes. The Frenchman had a yeah. date that night probably, yes, right? I'm so. telling you, I can almost guarantee you that's how it happened. It resulted in something wonderful, but yeah. it was lazy. I yeah. knew it would work out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Well, I have more uh, questions. I think uh, Justin and Scott have more impressions of French people. Yes, thank you. I, I always sound German. Get- <laughs> it will work out. <laughs> yeah. Let's get to a break. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll be right back on the Sour Hour. Will you? All right. We are back wrapping up the Sour, or sour Hour portion of the evening with Vinny. Uh Fortunately for him, he's still got a few hours left with uh, <laughs> the hooligans of the session. Oh, you know that show is going to end well, Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> Been here since noon. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking beer. Yeah. yeah. Hanging out. Vinny, you've been a great host What did, host what did you have for lunch, Justin? Oh, I had... Uh, STS pills. <laughs> at least two STS yeah. pills. And I think it's Vinny's special fried chicken. It's fried chicken day here. Yeah. Really? Wow. And I, it's not on the menu, but I saw it go by me and i was like what is that that looks amazing uh i went to the bar they said yeah that's our special and apparently it's your recipe yeah Ooh, it is my recipe <laughs> very yeah. cool so I've luckily a, i ate i've been on a kick i had a salad how stupid am i i know i thought of that man <laughs> no it's gonna be a I long probably should have had a burger fried we're, chicken or something we're gonna have a good time it'll be <laughs> yeah. fine well I'll, I'll be a free agent after this so i can run up some chicken up here no problem here we go <laughs> <laughs> if chicken is allowed you know in the culture cool <laughs> i think so yeah <laughs> Just throw it in there. Man, this synambic <laughs> tastes awfully greasy. Yeah. <laughs> Remember uh, Charlie Papazian's, uh, you know, the new Complete Joy homebrewing, and he had the um, the the cock beer, the chicken. Oh, that's like, right. Where you like, I don't know if it was like chicken bones or whatever. Yeah. I always skipped over the recipe. Of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah. Charlie was kind of crazy back in the day. And yeah. yes, I remember that recipe specifically. Yeah, in there. That was always like the wild, crazy yeah. recipe. That yeah, was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 
poultry, you know, <laughs> on the side of beer. I think right. it's fine, but in the beer might be yeah. a different story. Yeah. But yeah, we've got some uh, some great beers. We just uh, finished up with Intinction Merlot, and that was amazing. Uh, one thing that I just wanted to mention that I, uh, I think we might have um, glossed by is that that is also, so that's Merlot barrel and yep. Merlot grape. Merlot barrels and grapes. Um, but so there, there's a base difference there where the Intinction Sauvignon Blanc was kind of a modified, less bitter Pilsner. And then the Intinction Merlot was kind of a mix of kind of mix like the Synambic beer. Yeah, it was, it was Synambic kind of mixed. I mean, some of it was spontaneously fermented, and then some of it we inoculated with um, with Brett and bacteria. And like we were talking about uh, in between um, sessions, there was to me the um, Sauvignon Blanc is just so much more acidic, and yet mm. it was just Brett. But the but the Sauvignon Blanc grapes brought so much acidity to it, and then the uh, but the Merlot was just so much softer. Sure, and, and, and yet and yet there was those tannins, the robust, the robust tannin quality and the richness and the aroma and the finish. And I'm I love the Sauvignon Blanc and the Merlot. I'm I'm so I'm really excited about both of them because it also is kind of my my background too and my winemaking mm-hmm. background. And I'm bringing them back and. You know, I used to make great beers as a home brewer all the time, but I didn't make them sour and funky. Um, we did do a Merlot or a uh, Muscat Canale. What's the the Cantillon one with uh, Muscat grapes? Pignerone. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll trust you because I, I don't remember. It. Yeah. Yep. So we did that um, once or twice uh, in the early years of Russian River, and and the grapes were from a wild muscat uh, vine outside of our old house up in geyserville so that was kind of cool grew the grapes and whatnot um but it's it's really great to like connect with the with the grape growers on these two and like the merlot it's a small family vineyard they have one acre of merlot (laughs) and i'm buying like 90 percent of it this year (laughs) coming up it's something they never thought would happen that a brewery is buying yeah probably probably not you know and uh and last year it was a struggle to just get one ton out of them because it's hard to to find merlot merlot's i love pinot noir anyone been out drinking wine with me know that i'm a huge pinot okay fan but i'm also a huge merlot fan and Merlot totally got the shaft after um, Sideways. Sideways, mm-hmm. exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 It, it, that movie, Goddamn Thomas Hayden Church. It, it killed the Merlot, or not killed, but it, yeah. it severely wounded the Merlot industry overnight single-handedly. Yeah. Isn't that really crazy? And, yeah. and Merlot is such a beautiful, um, such a beautiful grape and wine. And um, so we were lucky enough to be able to get some Merlot barrels. And, um, and maybe going forward, we won't be able to use all Merlot barrels, but the grapes are or what count we might need to fall back on like some cab barrels or whatnot so god forbid speaking of cab <laughs> that's a consecration well just real quick because there's a lot to talk about with this beer but yeah. i wanted to ask quickly because scott mentioned at the break about the also the peppery note of that merlot beer and the i wonder merlot, where yeah. that's coming yeah. from yeah i mean the interestingly merlot doesn't always have Never has peppery is normally petite Syrah. Okay, and um, but if it was petite Syrah, we would have way more tannic because petite Syrah is like the most tannic wine grapes there are. Mm-hmm. So it it just must have been the interaction between the beer, the barrels, the the grapes, the oxygen. Okay, um, you know, Jay and I were talking off air about you know, do we gas the barrels before we fill them? And we don't. Um, we put beer in the barrels full of oxygen. Hmm. But fermentation starts pretty quick because we have 
uh, some residual sugar in there, and we add fresh bread, and so it kicks off CO two within you okay. know, a, a day or two. It's gone by the time you fill it to the top two. Yeah, similar. To and there's only you know maybe two or three gallons worth of air in the head of space of the barrel, and then the fermentation starts with, because we add fresh bread. Um, but um, in, in most of the beers, but then like half of that base beer for. Um, and Tinction Merlot was done spontaneously, so that took a week. Um, but um, but then again, you know, you drink a spontaneous beer and it's not oxidized right away, even though it sat for a week. I remember Jean telling me that they once had a batch of uh, Lambic at Cantillon that took six months before it started fermenting. Wow. <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe because it was it's cold there, but like, I don't want to even look at what the top it must have been. Or or, or would you have waited right, that long right. even, wouldn't on, you? On month four, you're like, fail. give up. Yeah, yeah fail. Finish. I'm just going to dump it. Right. Yep. Yeah, did he say how it turned out? Although, although at month, at month four in Belgium, the season was already over, so they couldn't have emptied the barrels and remade mm. that batch. Okay. So you might as well just... Ride it out. Let it ride. Just roll the dice and, yeah, ride it just out. Just fill it with some IPA. And, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they make IPA yeah. all the time at Cantillon. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Cantillon oh IPA coming to oh your my God. bottle hazy, shop. Hazy IPA. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Too bad we just missed April Fool's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really done it. Yeah. Well, the pepper yeah. character was really nice, so I was just curious, but yeah. Yeah. Um, you norm- normally, Merlot is more dusty. Mm. That That's how it's described. Mm. And, and people go, how do you, how do you describe dust and it's like well uh, you know you're if you're on a dirt road and the car goes by and you get a little bit of dust in your nose and your mouth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's that's the dusty quality that merlot and that's what i like about about merlot and uh, if if i'm out at a restaurant now i mean i often will drink pinot and and you almost never see merlot but yeah. if you do see Merlot, well, if I do see Merlot, I almost always will order you a glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a sucker for. <laughs> but and, but most Merlots are made really well. Like if someone's making a Merlot, they're doing it really good. Mm. And and a, and a really well made Merlot is probably fifty percent of the price is a really well made Cabernet. Wow. So and you know and Merlot is one of the main components of a Bordeaux blend. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you'll if so, if you get a, a Bordeaux blend. There's going to be a fair amount of Merlot in there along with the Cab and Malbec, Petit Verdot. Okay. So. Okay. It's wine country knowledge, too. Yeah. Well, speaking of getting nice bottles delivered to your table, <laughs> this one. We've got this one. Now you can look at the now uh, we can podcasting. Talk look, oh. at, look at the bottle. Vinny's uh, been keeping the date from us. Okay. We had a consecration. Well, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not even a bottle date. It's the batch number. This is, a, lo- this is a large format consecration yeah. bottle. So this What's is, the batch number? This is batch one times one. Are you kidding? This is, no the, very, this is the very first bottling no of consecration way. ever. Wait, we're alive? What? Okay, no. Yeah. 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 Down the hatches. Yeah. <laughs> at least we're at the back of the brewery, so, so people listening will we'll have a little head start on that. Yeah. <laughs> we first need to... batch? Yeah. Mama mia. And we, our, our reserve bottle room is literally right below us. Wow. And so I actually wanted to turn it into an apartment. And, um, <laughs> and our, I mean, my uh, RV's out front already. Yeah. I'll just move yeah. in down I there. I did see the RV. <laughs> they, um, our, our, our project manager and architects didn't think that the town would go along with it because we're zoned industrial, blah. <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. Oh, come on. So anyways, you, you, we needed a... You figure Windsor's got to be on your side yeah. by this point, right? Oh, they are. They're awesome. got away with it. But, it's, it's, uh, a break, it's a break room. But we also yeah, needed a, a place to store our reserve bottles. And uh, 
this is so much more romantic because you have to walk through the barrel room. Yeah. And it's the same 58-degree air that's cooling wow. underneath us. That's so nice. And um, anyways, I was looking for something special. and It's incredible. That's what, what, what I found. So this is, what, 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 are we talking like 2005? Would have been, would have been about 2008. Eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's and, held up um, unbelievably well. Yeah. And, and like all the, t- it's a great example of how acidity really drops off. Mm-hmm. Because what I, like I was saying earlier, our sour barrel aged beers back then were way more tart and acidic and sour than they are now. And, and a lot of it was temperature. Some of it was just we were adding too much bacteria. Some of it was we were finishing. We would start, we would go into the barrels at four Play-Doh. Um, so that's for homebrewers 1.016, 1016. Mm-hmm. And, and that was just a ton of sugar for the bacteria and the brett to work off of. And we were just making tons of acidity. Mm. And, but, but now, you know, all this time later, all that acidity has dropped off. You get the rich chocolate and tobacco notes mm-hmm. and raisin. And, and yeah. And, it's it's still there, like I don't know. Firmly might be an overstatement, but it's definitely still there. Maybe because it was so high initially. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you this because I because we're good enough friends now. I have a love hate relationship with this beer, and it's the only beer of yours that I have that with. Um, and there, so I will always buy it two bottles at a time. Uh, so I open one, of course, when I buy it. Um, and, and sometimes I absolutely love it. And sometimes I'm like, no, 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 it's not my Russian river. And then I hold on to the other one like you did with this one. And it comes and it does come back. This is the one beer that I just argue with myself about. I can tell you why. Okay. Exactly. Because I have the same thing. Okay. Um, when you make, and I'm, I'm curious what Jay says, and maybe Rare Barrel's different or whatever, but because we're so focused on matching specific beers mm-hmm. with a, a style of barrel. And so Consecrations Cabernet, Supplications Pinot, Temptation Shard, now Intinction. Um, a lot of times we can't get the barrels at the right time. So like, I think that's the one thing that um, is brushed over a lot of times with consumers. And I think we as brewers have done a bad job of educating the consumers on this, is that when you make a barrel-aged beer, the barrel is like the fifth ingredient, or well, maybe it's the sixth ingredient if you're adding fruit. Mm-hmm. But there's a season to get barrels. Jay knows this. You can, I mean, yeah, there's some brokers out there that have barrels year round, but the barrels that you're buying in like September or October aren't the best barrels from a broker. Mm-hmm. Wineries, you'll never be able to get barrels, or almost never, from a winery in September because it's harvest. They've mm-hmm. emptied all their barrels in the in the spring and maybe summer to to bottle all that wine. So that's the best time as a brewer to buy barrels. So you should be looking at what, like April, May? And yeah, that's when we, and so we buy a, like, and so for this beer, there's been times in the past when the, the Cabernet barrels from the winery, we get them from, we like, we, we got them, we saved them. And then we just didn't do a good job of blending like first use, second use, third use. So there have I been see. batches where they're a hundred percent first use to us mm. and so there's just way more tannins and too much of everything yeah and so the beer like in hindsight we should be or maybe if this happens again we should label it differently to be like you know mm. age this guy longer do okay. something to to tell the consumer that it's a bigger um mouthfeel and flavor for yeah this particular batch because i know the batches you're talking about because i empty 
every barrel my, myself. Okay. And I taste every barrel. And, and like, we don't, we don't, different than a lot of breweries, we don't blend like every, like we make temptation, supplication, and consecration by the batch. And so the only thing that we're blending are barrels from the same batch of 56 wine barrels. Now there's more because the tanks are bigger here. Mm-hmm. But, and the only reason we don't include a barrel is if, the barrel tastes like crap and it's acetic and it's gone, you know, to, um, balsamic vinegar. Hmm. Then we dump it and then we just chuck the barrel and otherwise everything goes in. Otherwise everything goes in and the really good barrels and the mediocre, I don't want to say they're mediocre, but, uh, you know, there are barrels that are, I'll be honest, they're less than, you know, the really good ones. Solid, but unspectacular. Yeah. But they're, but they also kind of sometimes, that's like the filler barrels you need. You know, we still use a ton of Cascade and Centennial hops in Pliny, Blind Pig, a lot of our beers. And those hops compared to Citra, Mosaic, Simcoe, you know, blah, 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 all the new designer hops, those beers are downright, or those hops are like pedestrian. Mm. But they're really good for adding, you know, you know, just body and fullness and the kind of their filler hops in a really nice way. Okay. And so sometimes having a barrel that's, you know, just kind of yeah, plain Jane. Yeah. It's not bad because it carries the the beer and 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 also it might be that a really spectacular barrel and you know, something that's here. Neither of them are they're both good. Mm-hmm. This one I would say tastes great. But the two together ends up making a total blend. But when it's when this when consecration, whereas compared to supplication or temptation, temptation if we are a hundred percent first use barrels, maybe a little on the oaky side. Mm-hmm. Supplication, we could all day long go all first use barrels, and you would never know it mm-hmm. because the barrels are so much softer, more subtle. The beer is more subtle, whereas consecration is just this big brash. It's 10% alcohol. I see. It's got so much more going on, and that that's why. Well, your, your, your mediocre barrel analogy is really a metaphor for life. I think, like, we can't all be rock stars, right? Like, you, we, we need people who, like, just tow the line. I was thinking of a sports In team. life, like, we need people that tow the line. The, so The Brewing Network. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Not everyone can be Jay Goodwin. Not everyone yeah, can be so Jay. true. But then, uh, just to round it out, like, this is the only beer of yours that, to me, it just fluctuates so much. Yeah. Like, I, I, your other beers fluctuate, and they're, and they're, but they're, those fluctuations are nuanced. Yeah. I still always know what I'm going to get, and this is the one where I'm like, mm, all right, let's see what we got this year. There's the, other, the other thing about consecration is it's lower in carbonation. Mm. Um, that's actually from uh, uh, Matt Bonney, who passed away month or two back month and a half back from up from seattle he always like begged me to do consecration still and and i love consecration (laughs) out of the barrels and we will do it someday i'm sure we will we'll do a still version almost like a a belgian lambic brewer um will bottle lambic Mm -hmm. you almost never see it but when they do lambic is typically bottled still or with just a tiny, tiny bit of CO2. Yeah. This beer is really nice that way. So we do actually add less priming sugar, maybe by like 15% less than supplication. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, because I do think it is a better beer, it's already so big with the mouthfeel, with everything that's in it. And then if you had CO2 and it's very filling. So, But yeah. I would like to do a version of it at some point where it's like a still version. So we did. We served... Uh, Still, I think temptation once at a at a beer dinner we did, and um, that was pretty cool. 
to, to serve a still beer that we had pulled from a barrel. I would love that. Yeah. And just to, uh, if I can, just a quick shout out to Matt Bonney too. Um, just so a, a little bit of a, his legacy living on. And yeah. Scott, I'm, I'm not even sure that you know this, but Matt Bonney is the one who introduced me to the beauty and the value and the quality of a direct draw draft system the first time I went up to his bar. So years before we ever opened the Hop Grenade, I saw his setup there. And his direct draw draft system was, was so beautiful. And you could, you could see the kegs right behind the glass and, if they would change a keg, they would just throw away the line and put on a new line. And the, the whole thing was about quality and cleanliness. And then, of course, near and dear to my heart, a little bit of laziness, like make it make it easy. Um, and that was years before we ever opened, but it stuck with me. Yeah. And so I don't know if you remember, Scott, but when we were looking for locations for the hop grenade, I refused to look at any location that would not allow for a direct draw draft system. I, I have court, how, could, yeah. I, could I forget? Possibly. No, that, that was, that was maybe the single biggest sticking point. It, it was, if you uh, want to even call it that, yeah. we were we were all on the same page. We, it was a quality thing, and, and I just wanted to just yeah. give a shout out, uh, yeah. respect to to Matt Bonney because yep. if it weren't for him and his bar and my experience there, I, I wouldn't have known that. And we, we might have lines running everywhere right yeah. now. It's amazing that that was that – was, uh, people weren't doing that. Well, he wasn't the first to do it by any means. Um, he just – I think the way he did it was done so well. And he he just made it a integral part of their business. I mean, yeah, same yeah. our our cold box downtown and, and here in Windsor, same thing, direct draw, no trunk lines. Yeah. Here we have three bars pulling from one cold box. That whole restaurant here was designed around the cold box to have mm. the three bars. Yes. And then from there, we built everything else See, around that, that. And it's amazing because the, you know, so, the scale of this place is a campus. But it was sure, still yeah. like a principle not right. to let it, go of. Exactly. And, yeah. and uh, at that point, I hadn't even met uh, Matt, by the yeah. way. I just was experiencing experiencing his bar, yeah. and it changed my life. Uh, mm. Like, I just changed the way I look at draft. Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. To, to, to Matt, yeah. rest yep. of soul. Yeah, absolutely. To, to Matt, Matt. Bonnie. Yeah. Yeah. We, toast, we toast Matt and the and Lynn, uh, his wife, a lot. Lynn's, Lynn's carrying the Toronado on. And, yeah. Uh, Cheers. So, to Matt. Matt. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Well. So, how are we doing on time? <laughs> We're great. I'll stop derailing your show, maybe. <laughs> no, that's great. This is by far the least work I've ever done. Uh, yeah, the host of the show is pulling a Frenchman. It'll be fine. <laughs> Throw it all in there. He's the uh, carbonic maceration of uh, yeah. a podcast yes, host. He's taking my throne. You know, I have more questions, but I think that's the place to end right there. So let's just check out. Uh, Vinny, thanks so much for having uh, the Sour Hour here, the most popular podcast on the Prairie <laughs> Network. I'm so sorry that... Oh, finally, it, we got a reaction from Bebo. You have, uh, you know, this tour Whoa. to do later, yeah. but uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thank and you. wow, what a place if you guys get the chance to come out to Windsor. I hear there's some great wineries around here. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> come come to the New Russian River. Uh, it's amazing. And you'll uh, go on the tour, see the Cool Ship Room where we had this episode yeah. recording, yeah, which has got to be the coolest the place guided, ever. Take the guided tour and you get to come in here and 
Drink a beer at the bar. And there's an a restaurant, incredible. tasting room, oh. gift shop. And really, an amazing, amazing place you've built here. Thanks. Wow. Thanks. Before you sign off that. entirely, uh, just for uh, those listening, I'm going to try my best. I wanted to get some video of the entire facility, but I, I really want to do that justice. So that's going to happen another time. But what I will do on our Brewing Network YouTube page, which is just youtube.com slash brewing network, is I'm going to take some video just of the cool ship room so that mm. you can see where we are and what yeah. we've been talking about the whole yep. time. So uh, by the time you hear this, it should be up on yep. our YouTube page, uh, Brewing Network. Uh, YouTube.com slash Brewing Network. Yeah. And, I, and I don't know what our exact um, YouTube page is, Russian River Brewing is blah, blah, blah. Social. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, Nat, if Natalie was here, she would, she'll be here for the next session. She'll know, yeah. She, she time-lapsed the filling of the cool ship. This oh, time she showed me that, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or, or we can send you the You know what? We'll do, let's too. do both. Uh, yeah. And I'll put that up there, too, yeah. because we, it's really special that we're here. It's special that this room exists, yeah. and it's special yeah. that we're here doing it, so I want you all to yeah. be able to see it. So I'm yeah, a lot absolutely. more comfortable now than I was an hour ago. <laughs> yes, Good. Leading into the I mean, next Evo show. Evo agrees. Yeah. This is the time to be in here, for sure. I, you know, my favorite thing right now is the reflection mm-hmm. of the windows off the wart. It, it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. It's the trees, the trees across the street in the, in the, in the wart reflecting. It's really cool. Beautiful so, kind of twisted oak just right yeah, over there. Yeah. It's yeah. like the reflecting pool in DC yeah. kind of vibe. <laughs> it's like really a, statue, a statue of Vinny. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes there's a crane in the background because that's our rigging company across oh, the street. Oh, wow. Yeah, big, big Shout out the Precision Crane. Hey. Those guys are bad ass. It's not too bad. You have some <laughs> so, good neighbors. Yeah. We loved having them. as They pretty much lived here for 18 months. We mm. They were on the job site every week. Wow, yeah. Sometimes sure. for like weeks in a row. So moving tanks in and sure. frames and this and that. And so I think I put a couple of their kids through. Natalie and I put a couple of their kids through college. There you go. <laughs> this last year. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about the building of the brewery and a lot of that construction and the, yes. and the different ways you did it on uh, the session. So if you typically, I, le- I left that for you. Justin. If you typically only listen to Jay, you might want to listen to the session just this time because it'll be a good companion show to this one. I'll cut that out in post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been a special day. I hope this batch turns out, although Justin's the closest person to it, so I don't think it will. <laughs> but, Vinny, thanks so much We're going to have to do, like, some occasional uh, sampling where I'll bring some samples down for the sour hour and yeah. see, oh, yeah. see how the batch turned out. We're, we're going to talk about this on my show because I had a specific statement to Vinny about there being work in this thing, and we're yeah. going to talk about that on my show. Yep. There's going to be some long beard hairs in there, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not going to say whose they come from, but. <laughs> it's John. He's gonna, he's gonna be on the next show. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks so much, Vinny. Really thanks. appreciate it. Thanks for having us here, and appreciate it a lot. Until next time, stay safe.